0: Okay, so we just saw I consider to be a very beautiful scene from the TV show, The Chosen. And uh, what I like about that scene is that Jesus tells the name of Peter's wife in this, by the way, is Eden. And uh, he said he wasn't going to go on this trip with Peter without taking her needs into consideration because she's his wife. They're one flesh. I like how he says, traveling with Simon is difficult enough. Why would I want to travel with a worried Simon? <laughs> so, Jesus healed Simon's mother in law, as we have even read inside of the Gospels themselves. Today, we're talking about the gift of marriage. Now, if you're single, don't worry. We're going to take in, you t- into account as well and talk about uh, the advantages of singleness. Uh, but uh, right now, we're, our main focus is going to be on uh, on the gift of marriage. But before doing that, I'd like to warm you up a little bit with some good old-fashioned Bible trivia. So, I've got a couple questions for you. I want you to participate if you can. What time of day was Adam created? Anybody know? Just a little bit before Eve. <laughs> Who was the fastest runner in the Bible? Give up. Adam. Again, he was the first in the human race. (laughs) What kind of man was Boaz before he married Ruth? Single. He was ruthless. Two more here. Which Bible character had no parents? Nope. Joshua, son of none. Oh. (laughs) Last one here. And just with all this comedy, I thought that I'd make this the last one for this segment. Uh, Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson. He brought down the house. Zing. (laughs) So we can learn a lot about marriage from the creation account given to us in the book of Genesis. And it's fascinating to me that in Genesis 2.18, we read, The Lord God said that it is not good for the man to be alone. Now if you're like me, immediately wonder, did God make some kind of a mistake? Of course not. God knows everything and he knew that he did not create Adam to be entirely self-sufficient. Instead, he created Adam to be inside of community with other people. Now, the second half of Genesis then goes on to say, say, uh, Genesis 2.18, say, I will make a helper suitable for him. So men were not created to be lone wanderers, brave in the elements of the world by themselves. He put on Adam's heart to want a family. Genesis 2:20 tells us, so the man gave names to all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals, but Adam didn't find a helper that was right for him. And so we see inherently in this passage, Adam was looking actually for somebody to be his equal, to be his helper, to be a mate to him as he saw all the animals paired together as well. And that is why God made Eve for Adam from Adam's own body. So we're all descendants of two people, and it was God's design for man, uh, it was God's design to create woman as man's perfect companion. Now within the past year, I've had a couple of people ask me, when people know you're in ministry, they start asking you some some interesting questions, and one of them has been, uh, where do I go to find a good woman? course, I'm a guy, so I'm married, and so they ask me this question, and so I ask them, well, where do you normally go to meet people? And uh, it's normally followed by this this, uh, eerie silence, which answers a lot to me in my mind of what it is they normally do to find people. Uh, And so just to bring clarity, um, I I know that, uh, well, if you want to find a good woman, you're probably not going to find her inside of a bar you very well might not even find her at work. Um, The best place to find a spouse is at church. And if you don't see that person at church, small groups are a good avenue to be able to find that right person, uh, creating small groups and creating ways to serve the Lord uh, that brings the right people around you at the right time. I think of Ruth when she was widowed. Her story starts off tragically as we know that uh, she was married to a man. Uh, He ended up dying. She became a widow and uh, it's a beautiful story what happens from there though because she was a Moabite woman. She was married to somebody from Judah and when uh, she became a widow her mother-in-law became depressed. It was very difficult for women to make a living back in those days, and so she decided she was going to stick by her mother-in-law, Naomi, who had just lost, not just, uh, not just lost Naomi's own husband, but lost her two sons, which one of those being, of course, Ruth's husband. Because Ruth was faithful to Naomi, though, God was faithful to Ruth, and God led Ruth To Boaz, not only was Boaz a good man who was wealthy, um, that he was also of the chosen race of Israel. He was from Judah. And so when Ruth ended up marrying Boaz, she married into God's chosen people, the chosen family of God. And we even see her inside of the messianic bloodline, uh, which is a great claim to fame for her. Now early on in my seminary days, Melissa and I met at a Christian gathering across from the University of Finley's campus. We had some mutual friends, so that's uh, where we kind of met each other and immediately I could tell in her eyes that Melissa knew that I was hot stuff <laughs> who could blame her? I, I can't blame her. Now, it may have been the other way around, but that's okay. We see how it all worked out ultimately. Um, <clears throat> But today we see how God, through our marriage, through our relationship, has strengthened us, brought us closer together, and even made us stewards of one another's faith. So we definitely need one another to function at top capacity. I don't know if you've heard of the movie, Walk the Line. It's a movie about Johnny Cash, musical icon Johnny Cash. And it traces his life through all the wild things he have been through, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and throughout this story, it becomes very clear that there's only one person who can save him from his self-destructive lifestyle, June Carter. And so as the movie progresses, Johnny starts to realize this, and if by the end of the movie, he proposes to her, wants to get married to her, and ultimately they do. Now, those of you who know who Johnny Cash is, this is based on a true story, and when you observe the life of Johnny Cash, you can't help but wonder what life would have been like for him had he not come across June Carter as one of his contemporaries, one of his peers, was Elvis Presley, who ended up uh, dying tragically at a young age, still being the king of rock and roll, as famous as what he was. Now, marriage is not the only way to achieve fulfillment in life. Singles have an almost limitless opportunity to do good in the name of Jesus Christ. Marriage merely teaches us how to love another person the way that God loves us. Now, do you need marriage to be able to teach you that lesson? The answer is no. Jesus teaches us how to love people unconditionally. Anybody can do that so long as they are following the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And indeed, the church is the bride of Christ. And we are in an eternal relationship with the one who loves us most. Nonetheless, marriage helps us to have discipline to live the God-centered life. Most people, like myself, we don't have the discipline to be able to continually show this sort of love uh, and to grow in that love without the bond of a spouse. Um, but it, again, once again, it is possible. The Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy 3.5, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And so we see inside of the Bible that marriage and children teach us how to govern our relationships with each other, with others outside of our families even. So just as we would never walk out on our spouse or on our children, we wouldn't walk out on fellow believers either. We forgive each other, we make peace among one another, and we grow in our loving relationships inside of the church. We work out our offenses and unify together against sin and in allegiance to God. But together, we are ministers for the gospel. So we work together and strive together and we share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with other people. In marriage, you're a team. In the same way, God designed the church, our church family, to be a team. Psalm 133:1 1 puts it this way: it says. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us inside of our relationships, Father God. You did not create us to be alone in this world, but you've created us to be around other people, to be in community. Lord, whether that is to be married and with a spouse or whether it's to be around the fellow believers lord uh, we, we thank you so much lord that you have given us these relationships that we might be able to actually receive your love and see your love uh, reflected toward us through other people but also to give us an opportunity to display your love to other people father god i pray that as we draw closer to one another and our relationships that you would help that love to overflow into the world and draw others nearer to you so they might one day be able to experience the joy of eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.